If I told you I had a story needing to be heard, would you tell it? But if you knew your story could help someone else, would you share it? Today, my guest is Jackie Neal. And well, not every story is about ourselves, but rather the journey that we're in on other people's stories. What am I talking about? Jackie has been attending Al-Anon for 24 years, and we'll explain She'll explain why in just a moment. Hi, I'm Christine Hotchkiss, and I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprint, that puts us on the path of our journey. Some call it purpose. Every story can help, heal, inspire, educate, and of course, my one word, give hope. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. And you know, it's called Stories of Hope. And not necessarily is it about, as I mentioned at the beginning, a story that we personally are walking that would have either been a blessing, a, a tragedy, uh, overcoming an illness, which you actually walk with other people, and then we'll call this um, alcohol. Al-Anon is for, is Alcohol Anonymous is an illness of other people, and so you're not an alcoholic, right? No, I'm not. And you weren't no, an alcoholic. Right. Grew up in a family um, that was riddled with alcoholism. Um, I always like to say that I am a daughter, a granddaughter, and a friend of an alcoholic. Um, when I, like I said, it was just, it was in my family. My, um, I think my dad started drinking when he was 15. My eldest brother took his first drink when he was 12, and... Um, I don't think I realized what was really going on, you know, because when I was really young, I just always kept to my room. You know, I wasn't, you know, out amongst it. But when I got to be older, like in my early teens, that's when I started seeing, um, seeing and hearing a lot of the fighting. And when you have all these alcoholics in your family, it's just, they battled and battled and it, um, but then I, again, I was, I would always retreat to my room. Um, and it was weird because I'm, I mean, to this day, I'm a very, very neat and tidy person. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I had been in the program for maybe about 10 years that I actually realized that that was my coping mechanism to think that, okay, in my room, I can control what's going on. But as soon as I step out of my bedroom where all the chaos was, it was just, it was crazy. Let me ask you, um, you said, well, and that's where you feel safe too. What was that? I'm sorry. That's also where you feel safe, right? Exactly. Oh, that that was definitely my safe place. Um, now, what what made you go to Elanon? Were you introduced to it? What, how did it come about? Because most people, because I've been I've been to a couple of meetings to support friends, or I did it because uh, alcohol is a surrounds me um, with friends and family, like you had mentioned in the beginning. What brought you to go to Al-Anon when you're not the one that... What brought me to Al-Anon was you become a caregiver. Yes. You want to take care of everyone. Um, I'll never forget when my mother, um, when we're all just kids, she goes, "Um, it's time for HDQ. And I'm like, HDQ was help daddy quit. Oh, wow. So what we would do is we would... It was so stupid, but back then, you're young, you think, oh, my mother, she knows what she's doing, and my dad would be drunk in the chair, and we'd sit there and stare at him, and he'd be like, what are you staring at him for? <laughs> just stare at him. I'm like, 
this is so bizarre. But it was just that I grew up thinking, okay, I, we need to take care of my dad. We need to, you know, and, or my brother or my sister or whatever. And that bled into my relationships hmm. where I would do everything for this person. Oh, like, oh, we're going to go out to eat. And all of a sudden he'd say, oh, I don't have any money. Oh, I have money. Let's go out. Because I'm always the kind of thing, hey, you plan something, it's going to happen. If, it, if it's not going to happen because of you, it's going to happen because of me. <laughs> but I just was just working so hard to make sure that this person was happy, even when deep down I wasn't happy. I thought, why am I doing all the work? Right. Why am I you know, doing everything for you, but you're barely doing anything for me? And then my relationships would end. And it was always them breaking up with me. And I'm like, why are you, why are you breaking up with me? I was making your life perfect. Uh, but it was just that back. It was just when I was, when I was younger, it was just like take care of them, you know. Don't let them fall, mm-hmm. you know. But deep down, they have to fall. Mm-hmm. They have to feel the consequences of their actions, whether it's a DWI or a marriage, you know, dissolves or a relationship ends if it's a boyfriend girlfriend or whatever. And um, my mother just never let me hit the ground. She never let me feel the pain of anything. And then it was only until I was out of the house, you know, out of school, or even my relationships in college. I mean, you got to feel the bumps and bruises. Mm-hmm. You got to feel the bumps and bruises of life. So um, one day I was, uh, both my brothers were still living at my parents' house, and I was going to go out with my younger brother, John, just to go out, you know, bar hopping, whatever. And I showed up, and uh, my brother Joe, my eldest brother Joe, had already been sober for 20-odd years And I showed up to the house to go out with my other brother, and I just started crying. And he was, Jackie, what's wrong? And I said, my relationships are just crumbling, and I don't know why. And he says, now I can finally tell you about Al-Anon. Because no one else was reaching out to my brother um, Joe for anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he told me about it. And I said, Joe, I said, why didn't you tell me about this? I've been having these horrible relationships. He goes, you weren't ready. You hit your first rock bottom when I came to him crying. I mean, the alcoholics, yes, they can hit rock bottoms. I mean, everyone hits rock bottoms in their life, and they just probably don't realize it. Mm-hmm. But he goes, you weren't ready. So it took me 10 years to get to Al-Anon. But I, I mean, sometimes I think, God, I wish I had gotten there sooner. But I wasn't ready. Now explain. And now I'm ready. Yeah. And so, it was just eye-opening for me. And. He told me a person to call, and I went to a meeting within a week, and I've been there ever since. 24 years you continue to go, and I'm going to ask this. If no one knows what Al-Anon is, first, could you share with us what Al-Anon is? Because there's a, I like to break stigmas and what we think we know versus what really is fact. So I always was under the assumption Al-Anon was someone who actually was an alcoholic, and that's not the case. No, it's it's weird because I was just telling Robin that I said people don't necessarily when they hear Al-Anon the first thing they think of is AA. Yes. And Al-Anon is adult children of alcoholics Mm -hmm. Um, because technically, like I said at the very beginning, you know, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm a granddaughter of an alcoholic. So it's just it's the people that um, have affected your life because they you know with alcoholics they think oh this is just I enjoy it, so it's not a problem. It's not right. a problem for me, but they don't realize how many people they touch right. out there right. and how their drinking affects 
other people and they don't realize how the, the pain I mean you get a doing and then there's ramifications of that you you know they fall out of bed and you know you think the first thing you should do is pick them up and put them back into bed uh, one thing that teaches is detach with love and the way you detach with love is you leave them on the floor you just cover them up with a blanket so that's that's your the concept they need to still realize that they're going to wake up there that they're on the floor that's their consequence of their action. The mere fact that you put blanket on them, that's showing that I care, but you've got to get this figured out yourself. You know, so. So Al-Anon is a support group of other people who have alcoholics that surround their lives. Correct. And you learn, this is this was something that took, took me a long time to figure out, but you have to learn to live your life, whether they're sober or not. And some people, they do stay with the alcoholic. I commend them, but I, I couldn't. It was, um, there was a lot of emotional abuse. No physical, mm-hmm. but verbal and psychological abuse is just as bad. Absolutely. I mean, that's scarred in your brain. It is. And I mean, there was actually a time, I'm like, God, just grab me and put a bruise on my arm so I can get you out of my house. And I thought, how sick is that? But it got so bad. Like I said. People aren't going to see the verbal abuse. They're not going to see the psychological abuse. When he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't let me sleep. He would just be up all night and just loud and just would come up and just call me the worst names ever. But then it was so hard. I mean, Robert was saying, "Because why are you leaving him?" I had. I mean, it took me ten years to get to Al-Anon, mm-hmm. but it took me a certain amount of time to figure out when is the safest time because I had children. You know, the Robin and I. Robin and I's kids are this um, pretty much the same age, and it was just I was I should have been putting myself first, but I couldn't help put my kids first right. for that for a period of time. Right. But, well, um, you know, I wanted to add to that because I actually grew up with an alcoholic father, and there was the physical abuse, horrific abuse, and I don't talk about it because I don't use it as my my uh, lifestyle, my story. It was something that happened in my life as a small child, and it's something that I always will remember. But I don't hold it against my uh, biological father um, because he came from an alcoholic family, and so he only was taught what he was taught. And growing up, and they do, and 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 back then, I mean, this was in the in the seventies. There wasn't what we have today, and even today, in a few years from now, there'll be other things that will help, hopefully, people that are in situations or sicknesses, and we'll call alcohol as a sickness. I remember yes. physically yes. getting beaten at any time. There was I could do something so small or do nothing wrong at all, and I would still get beaten. In the middle of the night, get woke up in the middle of the night and getting beaten, and my sisters, and watching my dogs get hurt, and, and I get emotional because... <clears throat> I don't understand it. It was a part of my life, but I chose also in that path that it wasn't something I was going to do in my in my life there forward either. Knowing that that was wrong then was a good thing. But there's a time, like I said, my father came from a, a family where his father was the same exact way. He was an alcoholic, beat him, you know, hurt my grandmother, and um, that's all they do. That's what they think. That's the right thing to do. It's that's the behavior that they only know until someone teaches us something differently. And so. Um, there was an Al-Anon back then, but uh, it would have been very helpful, to say the least. Yeah. Um, to know that you are in this, it's more for you to be able to understand those people around you who are choosing to continue to drink that say, I don't have a problem, this is fun, this is what I do. 
but you got a problem with it, then you know where to go. We hear all of that. So for Al-Anon, 24 years is a long time to be dedicated to something. Um, is there a, ever come a point where you think that you won't need to continue to go if you're no longer in a part of these relationships? No, not at all, because even though um, a lot of my alcoholics are gone now, mm-hmm. um, it's I think of it as, it, I mean, my meetings are once a week. Um, they're an hour, and I get... Um, technically, I get four hours of serenity a month, and I um, it's just the friendships, and I don't think I'll ever not be affected by it, because again, it extends out to friends, and but it's just that it's that, our culture um, to drink. that common horribleness that you guys have, you know, and it, it's like a second family. Um, I find that I can't even talk to, uh, probably because my brother's brother and sister that are still alive are, you know, using or, you know, they don't understand kind of our thought process. And it's like they become a second family where I tell them just the nastiest stuff that I've done. And, and you know, it's not going to leave the room. And, and it's weird because when you've done something really bad, you think, oh, I'm the only one you feel like all the spotlights are light. That you've got the around. <laughs> we know that's not the case. But when you see people nodding their heads or right. starting to cry, you just you don't right. feel like that. I'm just getting chills just saying that. Yeah. Um, but you just know you're not alone. Absolutely. And, again, you know you can trust them with whatever you say. And half the time they've done it already, and you just know that you just have that recovery together. I mean, everybody has their own pace of it, but that's the thing is nobody – it's not like, oh, everybody should be on step one today. The step one is, you know, you know, admitting that, you know, alcohol is – made your life unmanageable mm-hmm. but and one thing is really unique about that step whether you're an AA or an Al-Anon or Alateen is that it's either alcohol has made your life unmanageable um the driver next to you in traffic has made your life unmanageable. you can stick anything in there and it's just it's a life-changing step because it's not just about alcohol it's, I mean, that's what get, helps you get through your day every day you know well, you, can go, you can go back to step one as many times as you want. <laughs> and there are 12 steps, is there, are there not? There are there are 12 steps, and they are in a particular order. But, like, again, um, I mean, I, I don't have best, I don't have, like, the perfect life now, which I don't think I would want one. <laughs> I, I want to I inject real quickly. Sure. Whoever wants to say there's a perfect life, not quite sure what their definition of it is, but I kind of like the the messiness sometimes because it allows oh, me to too. be more of who I am than what someone would expect me to be in this title of perfect. Because <laughs> normal is boring, you know. That's why I'm friends with Robin. <laughs> See, if I wasn't friends with Robin, I would be like, I would be normal. And I'm good for I like being Abby normal, uh-huh. you know, because I, uh-huh. I just love her to death. She's like, she's my person. She's my person I call when anything is going crappy. And when things are going great, she's the one person I call. So, so since you've been in Al-Anon for 24 years and you have people surround you that are a part of it, and, and we are surrounded by it all the time, whether it's immediate or not, it helps us cope with those people around us to go, oh, okay, well, they're drinking too much. Then you don't take it on yourself to say, I'm going to give my opinion uh, how you should be acting, or maybe you should stop drinking, or maybe you need to just... You know, chill out and be okay. You get in control of you, your thoughts, and your actions. Is that right? Exactly. To understand their behavior. Well, one thing that my sponsor that I've had, her name is Cindy, and um, 
had her for my full 24 years. And um, she actually knew my brother, Joe. Her and her husband, actually, my brother, Joe, lived with them for a while when he was sober. And one thing she said to me, if they ever, you know, come to you like, oh, give me some money or I need this, I need that. And, you know, one thing she said to me, I said, what do you say to that? Because obviously I, you, my initial knee jerk is like, yes, I'll give you all the money you want. But you know it's going to go towards drugs. It's going to go towards alcohol. You know, it's just going to be something that's going to make them, you know, go further down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, the one thing you say is like, I'm so sorry that you are choosing to continue to hurt yourself. Wow. So in a sense, you're giving the empathy, mm-hmm. but it's putting it back on them. Absolutely. You know, so sorry. You know, I, you know, I can I can help you to to a point. Uh-huh. You know, um, but yeah, at the very beginning, it was just like you know, you wanted to say, "What is wrong with you?" And it took me a really long time to really realize that it is a disease. Because I always think everyone. I'm just. I'm not. I don't want to generalize anyone, but I always figure everyone has their first drink, mm-hmm. whatever age it is. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone has their twentieth drink or their hundredth drink, but not everyone has their nine hundred seventy second drink. You know what I mean? There are people that, you know, they end up taking it to the extreme and then they can't stop. Right. But yeah. you know, like I said, you were talking about how your dad's family origin there was alcoholism. Mm-hmm. There was alcoholism in my dad's side. Um, I believe it was his mother. His dad was a doctor, and I don't know if my my grandpa Joe um, drank, but I found out earlier that my uh, grandma Ann did. You had yeah. refer- you've referenced uh, some family members throughout this conversation, and one of them I've picked up on a couple different times, and I know, and. It- if it's not and it doesn't have an answer, I should say, then that that's fine too. You had mentioned your um, surviving siblings, and then you had mentioned another individual, Joe, who was is a, a brother of yours. Did you lose a family member? Yes, Joe um, did pass away. In fact, uh, it was July twenty fourth of two thousand seventeen, and um, I mean, I've also I've lost my parents. My mother. Um, had passed away um, ALS on Mother's Day 2008, and then my father died on Christmas 2014, and he had um, COPD. He was a drinker and a smoker, so um, I've got all three of their ashes in bags and um, in a little urn. But um, yeah, Joe passed away. Um, yeah, he was it due to alcohol? You know, I we don't we never had an autopsy. They thought maybe it was an aneurysm, but I. I had heard from his friends when we had a celebration of life that he had wanted to die for the past five years. Oh, wow. And, um, but he lived for my kids. He, you know, he was the greatest uncle, but he just had his demons. He, um, unfortunately, he got polio the year before the vaccine came out, and it was very severe. He was like 18 months. So I, I never thought I would say I can see why he chose to drink. I mean, he had his first drink when he was 12. And from 18 months until he was like in his teen years, he had surgery after surgery. Because when polio, when it first came out, it was like catching a cold. People that didn't understand what was going on, they were just so scared. And um, he had he went through so much pain. But then you're growing up in an alcohol, with an alcoholic dad. And he, like I said, he... Um, he and his friend were um, 12 years old, and they had those little bottles of um, wild turkey. Oof, I've had and that. I will never do it again. 
<laughs> got memories, got memories of that. But his friend took a dr- swigged the bottle and he threw up, and Joe swigged it and it went uh, like because it not it's that warmth. Yeah, yeah. And um, maybe I've had a couple of those, but that's why I know the warmth. <laughs> hey, okay. But um, it just took the pain away from him. Oh. But you know, polio. My God, I mean, that is just was just horrible. And he he always had a thin leg, and I think he just never. Could help to deal with it, and then he got into drugs. Ah. And um, he lived a pretty hard life, but he, again, he was sober for 24 years. Um, but after my mother passed away, um, I mean, the mom's the glue, and things just started almost falling apart again for him. Mm. And I think he, he did start drinking again. And I don't know if he ever got sober again, but he just he just had a really hard life. But he was just he was just a very sweet man. He got me into Al-Anon, and I forever love him for that, and I miss him terribly every day. And because every time I walk past a little picture of him, I'm like, you're supposed to still be here. And he, but I get it. But he, you know, he's up there, and he, I know he's proud of me. And uh, Of course he is, because he yeah, actually yeah, brought, yeah. Yeah, he brought you yeah, through he, this yeah. journey of being able to help other people understand that journey he was on that he probably couldn't be the voice that you are right now about Al-Anon and all of the things that you grew up with as you'd mentioned earlier in this broadcast oh exactly it's actually very powerful well so we're going to say thank you Joe because he got to oh. be a mention today and um, I don't know yeah. mm-hmm. okay, I'm getting chills again that must be him saying thanks Jack <laughs> I hope so yeah. I believe in all of that my last question I love to ask is what message would you like to leave our listeners based on your journey or the journey you've been through with um, the surrounding of alcohol or just life in general? Well, um, it's weird that you say that you asked me this question because last night um, Robin and I and her daughter went to her friend's house and we did some painting. Okay. And before we painted, we turned the canvas over and she said, you know, write something that makes that's made a difference in your life. That's something that, you know, has made you feel good. And there's many slogans in Al-Anon. And the one that I have on my computer, the one that just took me 13 years to really figure out what it meant is one day at a time. <sighs> so that's what I wrote on there. And the first thought I thought was like, oh, new beginnings. But right now I'm kind of in limbo as to, you know, uh, how I'm going to get my life started here. Mm-hmm. And what helps me stabilize myself is the one day at a time. You don't worry about the past. It's already done. The future is not guaranteed, like you always say. And, I mean, I hope I make it to tomorrow. But if I don't, I want to live my life to the fullest today. And if you stay in today and live one day at a time, you, you just... You, you can't really, you don't, there's not much to worry about. Because you're just like, well, you know, I'm going to make this day a lot of fun. And, of course, I always have fun with Robin. How can you not? <laughs> How could you but not? It's, um, <laughs> but it's just, one day at a time is, is my favorite slogan. And let go and let God. And, you know, live and let live is, is a tough one. Because, you know, when, you, when you're losing people in your life or you're, they're still alive, but they're they're almost they're like in a sense dead. You have to learn to like you know what that's their life. Yeah. Like Robin was talking about, those are those shoes that they're work they're walking in. They're not walking in my shoes. Right. And you know you just again be kind, and just like I 
see a lot is that, you know, you don't know what that person's feeling today. They may be having the horriblest day, but they still have a smile on their face. Just be kind. I you love know, that. I, I love that. You know, you'd mentioned a, a lot of different, like you said, cliches that we've heard and I've learned what they mean meeting people like yourself and, and knowing Robin and other people that I have interviewed honorably. Um, one day at a time is all you can can do, and with the passing of my 17-year-old daughter on New Year's Day 2007, where my family and I were in an auto accident, yeah. there, the, the, the phrase of there's always tomorrow doesn't exist in my life. I'm always so hard on myself being that today's the day. I may not wake up tomorrow because I also lost my sister five years later who didn't wake up in her, from, her, from sleeping. She had a heart attack, and it's one of those, it's in our minds that we think tomorrow is going to be there. But in fact, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist at all. Because we're only working working on today. So yeah, one day at a time. Even though we have a calendar that gives us 365 days and a month, 12 month names of a year, we're hopeful. But really, what's that day one? What's that day two? Whether it's of the first of the year, first of the month, first of the week. It is, like you said, one day at a time. And it slows you down too. It can. Because why would you? Why would you want to rush that day? You have people that'll say, "Oh my God, I wish today was over with and tomorrow was here." And I think to myself, oh, "I want to. I had a bad day yesterday, but that doesn't mean I want it to be over. I'll just enjoy the rest of it. It won't be on my timeline and my goals that I've set, but it's still my it's day to do whatever life. I want." Just like you talked about alcoholics. Alcoholics. There are some. I have one in my life right now that. Um, this is, he is alcoholic because of something that took place very traumatic in his life. And he's a happy drunk. And whether it's a happy drunk or an abusive drunk, this is where that person has put themselves, decided to be what makes them, as you talked about your brother, makes them feel happy or at peace or out of pain. I don't, out of pain. Out yep. of pain. I don't want to justify that it's okay because it does hurt people in, in another way. But I look back at where I'm at and how it's affecting other people. I think to myself, if that person is happy, they're not hurting anyone else. I don't know if you can really say you're being a responsible drunk when you're not driving. You're still doing something yeah. to harm others. Then you're happy. It's your life to choose to be happy. But be be somewhat considerate of understanding that there's also consequences to the people that surround you, even though it's all about me when I'm doing this. And I'm going to say, with you being with Al-Anon, I think that's where you put that balance in it to say, okay, you're choosing to be down this road for traumatic reasons or like you said out of pain I'm going to take the choice of saying I'm going to learn how to be around you and understand that it doesn't have to be my problem well a lot of whenever I've just heard people talk in my meetings they're just like well they blame me for their drinking and all that kind of stuff but you know what the way for you to for yourself to take that blame off is you know what that was their choice. That was their choice to, to open up that bottle. Absolutely. That was their choice to pour that drink. There are many other ways that you can deal with, like, if you're mad at that person, you don't have to take a drink. You could go for a run. You could go, you know, eat a donut or something, you know, whatever. But it, just to know that it's their choice, just like it's, it was my choice to wear, to pick this top. It was, you know, your choice to sit outside. You know, it, everyone has choices. And it's just... But it's just so hard when they, they choose to do something that's so destructive. Yeah. Where you just, you love them so much, but you have to love them so much to let go and let, and let God, their higher power, if they have a higher power, 
to take to watch over them because there's just so much that you can do that's why again we learn to live our lives whether they're sober or not because if we just live for them we'd be in a loony bin somewhere and i want to here i'm living my life Absolutely. And I, I just want to mention, too, not everybody has a belief in God. There's Buddha. There's atheist. I, exactly. I, do want to, I do want to reiterate with what you did give as your final message. You don't have to have a, a religious faith-based belief, no. but you are, as anyone else, still have the uh, one day at a time. And how you choose to use it is on you. So, yes, thank you. Exactly. But choose a good way to do it. I think so. <laughs> choose thank, only every way. Right. Thank you again, Jackie. And thank you. I really, I mean, I've never really, I kind of feel like I've told my story, and I've never really told my story in 24 years, so I'm so glad I was able to do it this way. I hope thank that you. it's helped uh, someone, if not many people, when this is um, heard. Again, thank you, Jackie, for being my guest and sharing your story to help heal, inspire, and to give hope. To my listeners, I thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you are notified about the next great story. Because if you heard yesterday's, you heard today's, oh, wait till you hear tomorrow's because these are just getting better and better. And if you like to share your story or know someone who wants to share their story or you want to be anonymous, your name does not have to be attached to your story, but your story is important and I'm pretty sure it should be heard. Email me to the address of Christine with a C-H at Stories of Hope, Stories with a Y, and that's Christine at Stories of Hope.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor, also email me to the address of Christine at Stories of Hope.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.